It's a two-day drive from Darwin to Robinson River in the remote Gulf of Carpentaria. The road leading there is long and at times tiresome. Drivers of the few rattling road trains carrying cattle and iron ore charge down the narrow Carpentaria Highway, passing one lonely vehicle marked with the Bush Heritage logo. This vehicle is headed towards the Gulf to help support the annual Wanyi Garua Biodiversity and Culture Camp, where local kids and elders will gather on country to share stories, language and learn about the local biodiversity. This is Big Sky Country, a podcast by Bush Heritage Australia. Sit back today and join me, Eliza Herbert, as we hear from Garua community leaders, elders and rangers in the remote Northern Territory to learn how they are keeping their country healthy and their culture alive. This here is Elder Uncle Jack Green and Elder Auntie Nancy McDinney. My name is um, Jack Green, and I'm also a cultural advisor for Borulula Barkley region, and I'm a Garo man, and this is part of my country. Elder Uncle Jack Green is one of the leaders in the community who helped bring about the annual culture camps. The reason I wanted to get it going so I can get my family back out on the homeland so they can um, learn their kids more about country, how you're connected to the land properly, and that's the reason I ended up as a coordinator for Wanyagaro Ranger. We want to carry on our um, knowledge that we've been given from our family, um, elders, in the past, and we want to pass that on to younger people to understand more how they're connected to the land. Hello, my name is Nancy McDinney, and I'm, I'm a Garwa lady, but I'm from the west, it's western Garwa, from Wadawadala, Milibundura, Wawindyaw and Maringbul. That's where I'm from, but all my father, they speak Garwa, so I learn from them. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures are diverse and complex. They are made up of over 150 language groups and 350 clan groups. While cultures and customs vary among groups, knowledge of things like seasons, plants and animals, ceremony and law have typically been passed down orally through each generation. Elder Auntie Nancy McDinney is a linguist who has spent most of her life speaking and passing down her own Garua language and knowledge. We had a good life, walking, healthy, eating bush tuck. No shop food, no, no vehicle, just on foot. The welfare came in 1960, 64, 3, picked us up at the Robinson down here, old, uh, old settlement used to down here, we call it Dangana. I've lost it a little bit, that language, but I had to go back and learn again when I go back for holidays, sitting down with my dad and my grandmother, from my mother's mother, and my grandfather is a Garo, and my dad, uncle, used to speak to me in Garo. So I started learning very strongly again. And now today I can speak language from my father's language and my mother's language when I got to Ireland. But because it's Garo country, we have to speak Garo to the children here. And his camp was really lovely and beautiful, you know. Kids was enjoying themselves. Nika. Hey, catfish. Nika. Putting catfish in good one and wagujiri. Wagujiri. It was good, so we always be there with them kids and speak, you know, like call the name of different animals in Alakarwa language. 
That's it. Did you all want to have a look too? Yeah, yeah. What are you? 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 At the camp, about 30 kids are sitting by a tree, shaded from the late morning sun. They are from the Northern Territory's Robinson River School and are with Wanyi and Garua elders, including Nancy. They're learning how to describe the landscape and animals in Garua, like the Gulf tree gecko and the black whip snake. Ah, what yeah. comes after December. that first storm? After that first storm, we call it Mijual. Wet season. Wet season. Big rain. Big rain that goes night and day. Yeah. We call it Mijual. From April to May and June, July, August, it's good time for everybody to go hunting. When we know it's the end of the month. Dragonfly give us time to say that yeah. it's the end of the season. It's yeah. coming and March. March, the dragonfly tell us it's coming to college. They are making what's often referred to as a seasonal calendar, which you may remember from season one of this podcast. It's a practice to document local Indigenous seasons through language. Kelly Retief, Bush Heritage's Aboriginal Partnership Manager for the Northern Territory, sees these calendars as an important meeting of culture and science with significant cross-cultural value. Seasonal calendars can capture a really rich source of information because it's recording stories, it's recording language, um, it's recording those important seasonal changes on country uh, that in turn, you know, indicate different cultural protocols that that are traditionally followed. Again, it's a a beautiful cross-cultural tool that threads local knowledge and science and that is flexible enough that it can speak to multiple audiences. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's why seasonal calendars have been so popular with traditional owner groups. Creating seasonal calendars and mapping the rich knowledge that goes into them is just one of the things done during the camps. Terry Mani has been working with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities for over 30 years and runs many of the activities and workshops alongside Kelly. My name's Terry Mani. Um, I'm an ecologist and I work for myself in a business called Ground Up Planning and Ecology Support, along with my partner. The camps have become an integral part of the yearly calendar. They're a combination of two things. One is doing wildlife surveys, finding out more about what's on the country, um, how many of them there are, where things are distributed, um, building up a a strong picture of the wildlife, plant, including plants and animals. The other aspect of the camps is it's also a, cult- a chance for cultural activities to strengthen and pass on cultural knowledge of the country. The culture camps are an opportunity to, most importantly, just support getting traditional owners back out on country, whereas in the old days people would have walked that country and... Um, shared stories across that landscape. Today, a lot of places that the camps have visited have not been visited by TOs for a long period of time. And so probably the most important outcome from the culture camp is just to be able to support traditional owners to get back on country 
and to reconnect with the stories of those places. When Kelly says TOs, she's referring to traditional owners. This is a common abbreviation that you may notice a few times in Big Sky Country episodes. And I also hope that it also provides a motivation and interest and an opportunity for the kids to see, ah, there's actually work we can do in this area. You know, when we finish school, we can become Indigenous rangers on our own country, looking after our country, looking after our culture, keeping us strong and healthy, and then passing on to the, that knowledge onto our next generation. The Wanyigarua Rangers work to protect the Ganalenga Midanbina Indigenous Protected Area. The Garua Rangers look after the Garua Aboriginal Land Trust and help to support the camp and are currently working to finalise the Healthy Country Plan. The camp was held among rolling savannah hills which lead down to the junction of Robinson River and Limestone Creek. In this part of the country, wet and dry cycles dramatically transform the landscape and the rangers are here for all of it, including Karen Noble and Donald Shadforth. Hello, my name is Karen Noble. I'm a senior ranger, senior Garo ranger, and I've been working on the ranger for, ranger for eight years now. Well, first, I was just working casual. I was the only woman at the ranger force for like, I think, three or four years. And later on down the track, we had like two more other ladies joined in. Well, for me, it was a big challenge, you know, just to stay in the job, you know, not just be slack and say, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. But I just kept pushing myself, you know. And doing most of this camp, taking kids out on country feels good, you know, even the kids loved it. This sort of program here just to start them off from when they're young. As they grow older, they'll look back at their grandmother's country and say, ah, nobody's looking after my grandmother, grandfather country, I'll have to do something about it. That's the thing, they'll they'll wake up in the future and realise that they'll be losing their country and that. Then, at the end of the day, they'll be passing it on to their children, our language and our culture. So we do in control burning. A long time before we had the rangers, we had wildfires, eh? really wildfires. And killing all our emu. Because eh? emu don't move from their nest, they'll sit there until the fire go through. After we did that control burning, emu was coming out, you know. Even them little grass bed, we got plenty of them. The Ganalanga Midanbina Indigenous Protected Area was declared in 2015. But that doesn't mean it's immune from threats. Accelerated climate change and introduced plant and animal species continue to disrupt the balance of ecosystems across the area. Feral pigs and horses and large wildfires are among the perpetrators. The ranger's work is important and is supported by ecologists and facilitators like Terry and Kelly, who also helped to put together a formal plan to support traditional owners' vision for country. It's called a Healthy Country Plan, which you may recall from our episode on the land snails of the Kimberley. A Healthy Country Plan articulate traditional owners' vision for country. 
There is essentially a management plan and like other management plans, they contain targets for what healthy country should look like and should be, for example. They contain strategies and activities or actions that need to be implemented in order to breathe life into traditional owners' vision for country. But I think the most important thing about healthy country plans is the actual process of developing the plan itself because it's about supporting on-country clan-based consultation, talking with the right people who have the cultural authority to speak for country and ensuring that in developing this vision for country that that it's being developed from the ground up and that the vision is being captured uh, in the words, in language of the traditional owners and elders themselves as, you know, Garoa Tiwos are at the final stages of completing their healthy country plan. It will now be about how to implement that plan going forward um, and how to ensure that pathway towards developing good partnerships is once again, you know, Aboriginal-led, making sure that that the relationships with other stakeholders are negotiated uh, up front and that, as Bush Heritage has done, that we've played a supporting and enabling role in helping TOs implement their vision for, for country. Night falls on the camp after five days of learning and connecting on country. Kelly and Terry join the kids, rangers and elders to sing and dance. What were the names of some of the different dances you were doing? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know about Blind it. Woman. Blind woman. Blind woman. Giddy, giddy. giddy, giddy. For the voices. Indiana. 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 And learning at the same time how to sing. So this is why we like to be this uh, camp to bringing kids out and singing for them, dancing and teaching them to sing, to carry on with the songs and dance. We don't want their language to get lost. <laughs> Big Sky Country is a podcast by Bush Heritage Australia, a leading not-for-profit conservation organisation protecting ecosystems and wildlife across the continent. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this episode was produced and recorded and recognise and respect their enduring relationship with their lands and waters. We pay our respects to elders past and present and any traditional owners listening today. 
To learn more about how you can support our work, visit the links in the show notes and make sure to subscribe to this podcast, follow us on social media or sign up to our newsletter to get all the latest news. Bush Heritage Australia and the Northern Land Council have been supporting the annual Biodiversity and Culture Camp for six years now. A special thanks to Elders Uncle Jack Green and Auntie Nancy McDinney, Rangers Karen Noble and Donald Shadforth, Kelly Retief and Terry Marnie, Stuart Hooson, Jason Burrup and George Dodrell and all of the wider community for sharing their stories with us. Special thanks to the Rumbaria traditional owners who welcomed us to their country and shared their time and stories with us. Thanks to Reitz Maida and Luke Enright for their contributions in facilitating and supporting the camp. This episode was produced by Will Saker and myself, Eliza Herbert. Theme music is Invertebrate City by the Orb Weavers and audio was mixed and mastered by Mitch Ansell. 